Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Listeners, we're back. We made it. It's a little bit of a time warp this week. Um, I went to the West Coast and back, had my own little time warp. Sarah's finishing a book. It's like crazy what happens in two weeks. Um, yeah. Though, so although I, I do have to admit that when we recorded two weeks ago, I really thought I was going to be done with the book by now. No, you didn't. You said, uh, I realized that it's going to be like close to done. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those um y- you have the same experience with the same publisher that they give you a print date and then they bump it and then they bump it and then they bump it and then they bump it. <laughs> and so I keep asking like, "No, no, no, what's the real print date?" So I think it's it hasn't been bumped as many times this time around as normal, but they've been also like going back to the printer to negotiate for every single spare day they can get. So um but we're uh we're in really good shape. So we, we actually upload to the printer at the end of day tomorrow, which will probably actually mean like six in the morning the next day. Um, and it's all, we're just all in the double checking everything, making sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and not the other way around. And, um, it's a little like overwhelming the, the, um, like focus on detail right now. And I keep like, I've got my, you know, one thing that I'm double checking and then there's two editors working and two proofreaders and our publishers in there. And there's a designer doing some stuff and like, and then I'm I'm just getting like inundated with, can you double check this? Can you double check this? Can you double check this? And it's, it's, um, so it's been just like a really hectic day. Although at the same time, like, it's it's such small fine details right now and it's really nice to sort of feel at this point where this book is um is going to print really clean like it's uh you know there's i'm sure there's going to be some typo somewhere that got missed because that always happens but um i feel really really good about how this whole thing has come together so um even though i i'm up for about another 24, well, more than that, 30 crazy, hectic hours. Um, I'm really excited. I'm really, I'm really ready for this book to be off in the world now. Um, but it's, I, I feel really good at this point. And I think the last few books by this point, I was feeling so just physically worn down that I wasn't able to sort of enjoy the excitement. And this time I'm like, you know what? Physically, I'm, I'm still hanging in there. Woohoo. And so I can, I can enjoy I can I can enjoy watching all these little tiny loose ends get wrapped up and and this this book go off into the world. Well, I happen to have seen your book baby better than sonogram form but not quite fully born yet. Um, and it really is a well-formatted document like 
well, I looked at it as a document, but <laughs> it's a book. Um, and, you know, what really struck me about it is how much more mature the graphics and the art feel. Like, I feel like you've really kind of come into your own with the with the science. And visually, that makes it so much more digestible and um, easy to consume. I read it this weekend. And by that, I mean, I skimmed portions of it because you can't read 700 pages in a weekend. Oh, don't exaggerate. It's only 672 pages. <laughs> um, but you know, I and and what I said on, on media is really true is I think it's really fantastic that this is not just such a great uh, scientific research ba- based on paleo from a food perspective, but also we're finally kind of getting the science behind um, with an in-depth resource that's going through kind of the overall lifestyle factors that play into how to be your healthiest. All the things that we talk about here on the podcast are finally kind of coming together in a like one end all be all resource for people because it's not just this massive textbook, but it also is a cookbook and has a lot of kind of your tried and true best recipes as well as some new stuff for people. It really is like a collection of my signature recipes and then, you know, some new, some new fun, exciting ones to round it out. Um, Yeah, I was, I mean, from the beginning and it, it, that feels like a really long time ago now, I was really adamant that this needed to be an all in one resource. And I really campaigned for, uh, oh, wait, we can't bind it as paperback, then we've got to make it hardcover. Like it it was, um, you know, this this really this back and forth. But one of the things that my publisher was telling me uh, over the weekend was that every single person at Victory Belt that has been working on this book. So like his lead designers worked on nothing else but this book for over two straight months, um, including a lot of overtime hours. And he had his, you know, his lead editor was working on nothing else for months. And like everybody's had these, the, this contribution, you know, part of like a book is, I, I sometimes think it's not fair that my name is the name on the front cover because there's, it's such a collaborative project in the end. Like, yes, I wrote the draft, but there's so many different um, skills that go into the book that I like the the editing and the designing and all of these, the attention to detail and the, the proofreading, all of these things are really critical to a book being the polished finished product that it is. And, uh, and what he said was this book has become everybody's baby. Like it has become like every single person has feels so much ownership over this book because of just how much it's engaged every single person, not, not just because they've been slaving away at it for months, but because, um, everybody just feels this bond with this book. And it's the neatest thing to be able to share with these professionals that I've, you know, I've worked with all of them before. It's actually the same designers who have designed my other three books. They just knocked it out of the park for paleo principles. It's just amazing. Um, how the challenge I gave them, how they, they rose to that. When I said this, this is my vision. And they were like, wow, we've never done that before. Let's figure it out. And they, they just, I mean, I'm just so pleased with, with visually how um, impactful the book is. But, um, but I just love that idea. I love that idea that like, there's like a dozen people out there who are as, invested emotionally in this book as I am. And I think, I think that's such a neat thing to share. Like normally, um, I don't, I don't think that's, I mean, it certainly wasn't 
that experience with my first three books. Um, and this experience, it's, you know, everybody is so gung ho for it. And I, I hope that it becomes like that, that passion and love for this book that everybody who's had a hand in creating it has. I hope that really translates to the reader's experience. Um, I know my mom was, uh, also got a, a sneak peek at it and she, her feedback was the narrative is so it flows and, and she just was trying to say, say that in a way that wasn't like your narratives and your other books suck, but it was like, it's, she was basically saying how much she enjoyed the story aspect of the science. That's sort of an unusual you know, like I'm explaining some science to you, but I'm doing it in a way that's like telling you a story. Um, so I, I, I am, I'm really, um, I'm really proud and I'm really proud that I'm, I'm still upright at this point too. That's, that's been another, <laughs> it's a whole, has nothing to do with, uh, the book quality, but, um, but I've been working really, really hard throughout this entire process to really make sure that I'm protecting my health and, uh, uh, I'm I'm happy to uh, to still have some energy. You're walking the walk, not just talking the talk. I um, try. So I also came back from California and still a little jet lagged, you know. But I went to bed early and um, felt myself a little rough the next morning when I went to work. Because for those who don't quite understand how this East Coast West Coast thing works. Um, East Coast to West Coast, you gain three hours. So you leave at 11 in the morning, you're on the plane for five hours, but you get there in early afternoon. So everything's great. Your body feels great. Um, and then on the way back, you lose three hours and the flight is five hours. And so I left my hotel room at 3 a.m. in the morning and I got home at 4 p.m., Eastern time, like 3 a.m. Western time, 4 a uh, 4 p.m. is that whole time I was traveling. And so um, we had my birthday dinner. And then when I woke up the next morning, I was like, oh, feeling a little rough. So I drank some orange juice because I have learned that my body really likes vitamin C. And I also had um, oysters while I was out there, as well as um, seafood for lunch as often as I could so that... Um, I was getting zinc and, and all kinds of minerals. And that was it. Like by the afternoon of Monday, I felt better. I never got sick. I never had any issues. And I was like, "Woo! I'm learning how to live life. Um, <laughs> which was surprising because it was my, my birthday. And so I ate treats and um, dairy and things that I wouldn't normally uh, sugar um, indulge so much in. And so I was like, oh, my immune system is definitely going to like take a, take a hit. But um I, I, I stood strong. I was super excited about that. Um, and so I, I actually was going to tell you that I had exciting news, but then you talked about your stuff and now it doesn't quite feel so exciting. You but, should still say the news. So I made pumpkin pudding yesterday. It's officially pumpkin season in my house. And guess whose pumpkin pudding I made? Did you make well, mine? I didn't make it. Matt made it. But of course, your pumpkin pie filling is like my go-to comfort food in the fall. And um, 
Yesterday was a intentional stay-at-home relax day, and we hung pictures on the wall and unpacked some boxes and did different things. And I was like, Matt, can you make pumpkin pudding? And he thought that uh, he, we were talking about the real-life paleo recipe, which is like a true pudding. And so he was like getting out real-life paleo. And I was like, what are you doing? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sarah's – and he's like, that's not pumpkin pudding. That's pumpkin pie filling. I'm like, that's what I want. Like, make yeah. that. Um, I really – it's not too sweet, and it's got – you know, so much like sustenance in it that not only did I have it like yesterday evening, but then I also had it again for breakfast. <laughs> I oh, really that love was it. Tradition in my house growing up. So it's based on it's sort of like a paleo adaptation of the pumpkin pie that my mom made growing up that she had to modify from her mother's recipe to accommodate my brother's allergies. And then I was trying to replicate. So it was such a unique pumpkin pie that it used to convert people like people who say, I know I don't really like pumpkin pie. We'll try this one. People be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So it was the recipe that I made, you know, all growing up and early adulthood. And then I had to like, I want to recreate that flavor in with paleo ingredients now. And how do I do that? And it took a lot of tinkering. Um, but it, it is, uh, I actually have been, I, I bought some kabocha squash at the farmer's market like a week and a half ago, and I haven't used it yet. And I've been looking at it going, I bet that would make really good pumpkin pie filling. I bet it would, I bet it would be really tasty. And so now I think you've, you've tipped me over and I think, I think I'm going to have to make some, but we used to always eat it for breakfast. Like that was, you know, we'd, we'd have, you know, that, that was like my mom would always make, like was an, an ex, there was the extra pie that was the breakfast pie whenever she made them. Um, and she would just say, there's tons of eggs in there. It's good. Yep. Totally. Yep. Well, I, we made it without the crust, which makes me feel like it's totally fine to eat. For well, and I have to, I really have to admit that um, there are few things that I dislike more in terms of cooking than making pie crust. I really, really dislike. It just doesn't add any pie. value for me. And I know some people really love a flaky crust, but unless you're making like a pie with a top so like we have a cherry crumble pie where it's like a pie crust but then we put a crumble topping on top or if it's like an apple pie with a second crust on top like to me i'm like why the, because the whole point is the filling the filling is delicious like why even bother with the crust but ever to each their own some people feel the opposite some people are like the crust is amazing the stuff in the middle i could take it or leave it so um, the other thing too for me is at the pie crust and i i have never encountered I, there are some gluten-free pre-made pie crusts out there. I've never tried them. Um, and I've, I've never seen one that would actually qualify as paleo. So I'm always making it from scratch. And I'm like, I, this could be something that takes me 20 minutes to make, or it could be something that takes me 45. Let me think how much time I actually want to commit to this for a, this holds its shape on your plate versus this just goes straight into my mouth deliciousness. I mean, if I'm not serving it for company... I'm, I'm not quite sure why I need to do the extra 25 minutes worth of work for a crust. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is making pie crust, not my favorite thing to do. Eating pumpkin pie filling. One pie of on my favorite list. things, definitely. Yes. I'm not sure if it's top 10, but it's probably top 25. Yeah. So I think we've talked enough. I <laughs> totally want to get into. That's what, that's what happens when it's been two weeks. When it's been two weeks. Though. I know. 
It's we become little chatty Cathy's and we get like all distracted <laughs> and off focus. And we forget that we're actually doing a show and not just talking to each other. And we have a talk. Um, a whole thing. So I do have some information to share about my experience and you actually did a recent post and I think it'll be great to get into that stuff. But because you have a book to get off to print in about 30 hours, <laughs> um, I'm going to save that for us to talk about later and um, jump into this week's topic how about that uh that sounds great yeah i do i definitely i think we've got a really fun conversation um to have but we can save that for next week so teaser everyone tune mm-hmm. in next week um but we have this, this other question that really resonated with me and i thought um especially at a time where uh like one of the the fun side effects of being at this phase of the book is i'm i'm more emotional than normal and i when i read this question i could just I've been there and I could just feel it. And I felt like, I don't know, it just resonated with me. And I felt like this, this was a good week to tackle this one. It's a question from Stephanie and she asks, hi ladies, longish time listener. And I absolutely love you both, especially your real lifeness and authenticity. My question is along those lines. A few years ago, I was convinced of the health benefits and followed a paleo template diet with ease. I felt wonderful and was at my best, but now I've fallen off track. I still know in my head that I should eat a paleo and real food only diet with earnest commitment, but I'm struggling with consistency and a bit of the, what is the bleeping point? Because I'm already 30 to 40 ish pounds overweight and none of my clothes fit anymore. Anyway, I guess my question is how do you start and restart yourselves when life gets in the way? How do I not get down on myself for regaining weight and just move forward? I appreciate you both tremendously. And then there's the little, open bracket, three little hearts. I just thought I should make sure that I read the old school heart. So um, first and foremost, I want to point out that the word should was used here. Um, (laughs) And I think that's the crux of where I'm going to focus my little soapbox. Um, Because for me, what is really important is waking up every day with the intention to make the choice of how you want that day to go. And so, you know, I've shared things like, if you tell yourself that you're going to be happy, and you wake up and say, I'm going to focus on being happy today, I'm going to focus on the joy, I'm going to focus on the positive, I'm going to live this life like with intention. And I don't say that because I'm like, namaste, having yoga all the time. (laughs) I know that that's like a, you know, live your life with intention. I mean, it seriously, like, because I have been through a really dark place the last couple of years. And the only way that I got out was to tell myself like, this is what I'm going to do. And I went with it. And so telling yourself things like, well, I should do this or, you know, having guilt about having put on weight or being overweight does not help you live your best life. The most important thing that I have learned is that you can accept yourself. You can love yourself. You can respect yourself exactly as you are today and still want to be better. You can still want to achieve health, but also accept yourself. And we've talked about acceptance and how difficult that is. And when the word should is used, it's an indicator to me that someone is not accepting themselves and loving themselves as they are while also wanting to improve. So for me, I think the first and foremost thing that I would recommend 
before anything else, before any other changes or telling yourself what you need to do or what you should do, which is not how to approach this, is to focus on accepting yourself, like saying, this is where I'm at right now. And that's okay. And I am going to make X, Y, and Z decisions to be somewhere else where I want to be. And I can love myself and I can respect myself exactly as I am today and still make these changes to improve my life. And so before you jump into food changes, before you jump into sleep changes, before you jump into exercise changes, and by the way, I would recommend not doing all of them at once because you're setting yourself up for failure. We've talked about this before. Uh, most people need you know, iterative changes in order to make habits instead of doing too many things all at once. Um, but before you do any of that, you have to accept where you are because if you can't accept that, you're going to be filled with guilt and shame and disappointment and all kinds of things that really lead to nothing positive. Like having guilt about where you are, what your body looks like, or how you feel, or what kinds of food you're eating does nothing to make an improvement in your life. The only thing that is going to make an improvement in your life is setting about with intention that you're going to make improvements in your life. So I would just first and foremost, uh, before anything else, focus on the self-respect because uh, I don't think that anything else will work long-term until you have come to that place with yourself. And sometimes I don't feel that way either. Sometimes I wake up and nothing fits. Nothing feels right. I'm cranky. I don't want to go to work. I want to yell at everybody and tell them that, you know, it sucks. (laughs) But I have to tell myself that that is not productive. That's not the day that I want to have. That's not the feeling that I want to be in. And therefore, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to make me feel better. And sometimes it's like, you know, putting on my hair and makeup to the nines. Sometimes it's wearing a piece of jewelry that is normally like an evening out dinner piece of jewelry that I love that makes me feel great. And I just wear it during the day. Sometimes it's stopping and getting a fancy cup of coffee, um, matcha latte, whatever on the way to work. Like there are different mechanisms that I have to help me kind of like, you know, wake myself up and feel my best. And everybody has that. And for other people, you know, it could be taking a walk because outside that vitamin D, that sunlight, that fresh air, the hormone rush that you're going to get when you exercise. It could be so many different things to, to make you feel better, but you have to make a decision that that's the kind of day that you want to have and you have to set yourself up for success in that moment. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. Um, I think I want to share a little bit of my personal experience with this exact same struggle. Um, and so this goes back long before I, um, you know, knew about paleo or understood the tenets behind it. So I I came from a much more simplistic view of health. I basically thought that if I was overweight, I was unhealthy. And if I was a good weight, I was healthy. Um, I've clearly come to, um, change that view and look at getting healthy to achieve a healthy weight rather than like lose weight to get healthy. And I've, I've really, um, you know, I have a much more nuanced understanding of diet, nutrition and lifestyle, but, um, 
But I think that I want to share a little bit about my history because one of the things that I happened with me, I lost 100 pounds in my early 20s using a low-carb diet. I had a major health crisis and gained it all back with an extra 30 or 40 for good measure. And then I sat there, um, you know, morbidly obese for seven years. Uh, For seven years, knowing that a low-carb diet had worked for me to lose weight the first time, knowing how to do that, and um, and not being able to, you know, starting it and stopping it, um, you know, going, get, doing it for a week and then, um, you know, binging on something. So, you know, I had binging eating disorder and I, um, would have periods of time where I could master it and I'd have periods of time where I just couldn't. And, um, for those seven years, it was, not just a physical struggle. I wasn't just, you know, I was racking up the the diagnoses in terms of um, chronic health problems, but it was the emotional side of feeling like a failure because I, I knew what to do and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And my life really changed with kids that gave me um, – a different perspective and a different motivation. So my motivation instead of coming out of self-worth came out of being a role model. Um, but I didn't really, I wasn't able to really put all those pieces together until my paleo journey sort of changed the formula. So it changed the formula away from, um, you know, this uh, counting carbs perspective for sure. But it also changed the formula in terms of um, how I was able to feed some of the needs that I had. So some of the, you know, the emotional links with food, I was able to satisfy those in a very different way, in a a much healthier way. Um, And it changed the formula because of the focus on uh, not just food, but sleep and stress management and exercise. And I think it was it one of the things that I've sort of said, I've said this on the podcast before, is um, one of the biggest differences between um, my, how my relationship with food now and my relationship with food sort of pre-paleo at the height of binge eating disorder and, and being obese. The, the big difference now is that when I slip – and I do, I recognize it faster. I don't slip as far. I get myself back in track faster. And the way that I slip now is still within the paleo framework, but it's paleo treats. It's always sugar. It's always sugar. Um, And so there are still, even within paleo, there's still these places where you can kind of dig yourself into that same hole. So whether you're doing this with uh, completely non-paleo foods, or you're doing this within the paleo framework, you can still fall down this hole of, um, you know, sugar addiction. And um, for me, it's always the uh, using sugar and caffeine to keep myself awake, but then not getting enough good quality sleep to be able to control my appetite, my cravings. And I end up having the snowball effect of I'm sleeping badly. So I want more caffeine and and I eat more sugar to keep myself awake throughout the day. And then I sleep worse and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, so in my experience, what really helps me when I can feel myself 
sliding down that slippery slope. Um, my linchpin, the thing that holds me together is sleep. It always comes back to sleep. And it's usually I'm not sleeping well because I'm working towards a deadline. I'm stressed out. You know, it's, it, that's usually the, what causes the sleep to be a bad thing. But if I can hone in on sleep, the, it's, it's not even doing what I, you know, living the, the choices that I want to live, or as Stephanie said, how I feel I should eat. And Stacy just cringed. It's not, it's not even that. It's that when I have had that good night's sleep, it's, making healthier choices is is more natural. It still takes some commitment, some dedication, but it's just, it's so much easier. So in all of my experience of, um, you know, this, this struggling to make better choices because I know that I should and I just can't, like I really understand that. And I think that um, self-worth is absolutely critical in being able to empower those choices. Um, but also discovering your personal linchpin, it might not be sleep. Um, it might be that if you get out for a walk in the morning, all of a sudden the rest of your day falls in, into place. And if you can just figure out prioritizing that walk, everything else falls into place. It might be like for Stacy, um, self, self-love, self-care, um, uh, type, activities. So, you know, you know, making yourself look beautiful or uh, getting a manicure, it might be something like that might be your linchpin. And if you can get that one thing in your life, then everything else falls together. I think we all have a different, um, a, a different physical thing that can make the other changes feel easier. And I think it typically relates to, uh, self-worth, stress and, and sleep. I think those are, are the most common. Um, but it can be activity. It can be just getting off the sugar roller coaster and muscling through a couple of days without sugar. I mean, for some people that just helps bring everything else together. Um, so doing a little discovery and like forgiving yourself for taking some time to do that discovery. Um, but figuring out your linchpin and then, then after that it's practice and it's, um, you know, I, Stacy and I are never going to say that we're we're perfect because we're not. Um, and for me, it's not just about having a cheat here or there because we all, you know, we all do that. But I can I can slide down that slope where my poor choices start to pile up and start to impact me. So um, that is something that happens to everyone. But but being able to to really um, recognize when that's happening and see if you can recognize the triggers um, that can go a long ways to not just, you know, getting back on the bandwagon, but the whole point is being able to find a way to do this sustainably for your whole life. It's not just about getting back on the wagon and being able to do it to, you know, lose that bit of weight or whatever it is. It's, this is about lifelong health. So this is the part of the, the health journey and the self-discovery journey that is very individual and I think it's a harder part than the I'm just going to, you know, eat my meat and vegetables and go to CrossFit. I think that um, for, for many of us that this emotional part um, is is more important in terms of our long term health to, to figure out and it's harder to figure out. But it's it's worthwhile working on it. And, 
you know, there really are, um, there, there, there really are a lot of good like professionals that you can also tap into their expertise to help you work through this. Um, so that's, that's another, another thing to, to sort of say here is that if part of this is seeing a counselor or, um, you know, working with, with somebody over uh, emotional issues or talking to a health coach about how to restructure life and, and help them figure out what the top priorities need to be. You know, there are some great, great professionals that can really help in this sort of, um, fine tuning part of things. I would say too, it's been helpful for me even just to follow positive people in social media. So for sure. One of the things that I find very difficult for me is following people who engage in activities that are triggers. Like if, you know, I used to follow a whole lot of paleo bloggers and um, a lot of them would just post treats over and over again. So like I would just see sweets and sugar in my feed and then I would want it because I saw it. So I had to separate myself from that. I had to also separate myself from behavior or activities or a mindset that was negative. So for me, that was things like, you know, uh, pages or accounts that focused on challenges and a diet mindset. Um, That's not something that's healthy for me. Um, That might, you know, work for other people. It doesn't work for me. I had to remove that. I had to also remove people who talked negatively about food in a way that gave food emotion or power. And I don't think that a lot of people realize that they're doing that. And I was giving them the power to give food power in my life, which is something I was working on removing. And then here I was watching and hearing other people with those same sort of messages. So I would just be really mindful about, you know, who you're following in social media. And, um, I ended up adding a lot of people who were um, focused on the things that I wanted to focus on, whether it was, you know, um, self-care, whether it was self-love, whether it was um, different activities that people were doing to align themselves with the focus on where they wanted to be, Um, you know, like yoga instructors, people who would encourage me to... um, feel good and not feel guilty or angry or frustrated or whatever. Like I, it took a lot of intent to go through weeks, maybe months to sort through the emails I was receiving and the, the, the social media I was subscribed to and what was coming in my feed. And, you know, like that stuff really makes a big impact into your mindset. And for me, it was something that I had to, again, go about with intention to change. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I would ex- expand that to um, people in in uh, like relationships in real life too. I think sometimes um, we don't under understand how the people in our lives can undermine us. Um, you know, the the sort of classic example is you're at a restaurant with some friends and you place an order and your friends go, Oh, well, you know, why don't you just have, you know, the cheesecake with me? Like just this one time. And, and, you know, like, and you kind of, those are people who 
maybe don't understand that they're doing it, but they're undermining your choices rather than respecting them. Um, so being aware of, of who in your life <laughs> needs to, you know, either be, be that person needs to be separated from food. That's not a person you go out for lunch with. Um, but being mindful of who in your life may be, um, subtly undermining your, um, ability to make, make healthier choices. And I think, you know, we often have, um, you know, it's a fairly common experience for us to have people in our, our lives who just don't get it, but that's a different thing. You still have to respect it, right? This is still something that's important to me. So, um, yeah, I would, I would extend that to the, the real life people who might totally be. toxic relationships. I mean, it's not even, it's, it's not even necessarily that the entire relationship is toxic. It's on this one point that there's a lack of respect to the point where it's undermining, right? And I think, that- you know, for me, that was my family at first. And uh, I think the thing is, sometimes you don't always need to kind of, you know, sever relationships. But I did need to say, listen, this is important to me and for my health. It doesn't bother you or affect you if I do this. I know that you think that me eating cake is going to make everybody happier, but it's not. I'm not going to feel good. Could you please just support me and and not mention this again? If I say no, thank you, just move on. Like, please don't continue to push this on me. And I was nervous about saying that, especially in the beginning. Um, but it was respected and it was heard. And I said it in a way that I knew that my family could hear it. Right. And so there might be a message like that, that's shared with someone in your, in your life that isn't that true toxic kind of relationship, but needs to hear whether it's your spouse or whatever. I think, you know, another thing that we hear quite often is that the spouse is unwilling to adapt. And then how do you compensate for that? I think sometimes it really is just about communication and true partnership and saying like, Hey, if we're partners in this, I really need your support. Could you just commit for 14 days or 30 days to not have the stuff in the house? What you do when I'm not around, I don't care. I don't want to know. But if you could just be supportive and encouraging of me when I'm really trying to do this for my health, which means we get to live longer, better lives together. Like that's a good way to approach it instead of, I think there's a lot of like anger and frustration and guilt around food being taken out of the house and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I'm lucky I have the kind of relationship I can say that stuff. I know not everybody does, but I think if you, you know, approach each other with respect, that's always a a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully that helps Stephanie um, or anyone else who's sort of going through a little bit of that on the wagon, off the wagon struggle. Um, what, what did you say on the, on the what? On the, on the wagon, off the wagon. I just wanted to hear you say it again. Wait, how do you say wagon? Wagon. Yours. Yeah. It's, it's a little Canadian there. It's cute. Wagon. I, wag. Oh man. I don't even know So when you say say. it's kind of like wagon tails, like wagon instead of wagon. You, that sounds exactly the same to me. <laughs> how you just said it, I hear no difference between wagon and wagon. Interesting. Okay. But if I was, if a dog was wagging, that'd be that'd be wagging their tail. Okay. Not wagon. All right. That's a wag. 
me and the three other listeners who enjoy your Canadianisms can, <laughs> can hear the difference. Everybody else can be on your team. That's fine. I appreciate my team. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, and thanks for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week. With exciting recap. <laughs> hey, with all the stuff that we really should have covered today. And didn't hey, you said should. That we could have covered. That we but could we, have with covered intention, today. But we are intentionally gonna, exactly. saved for next week to be able to devote more time and energy to it. I, I love that we're, you know, we're planning ahead. We're being organized here. Um, um and I'm scared. What's going <laughs> to happen? What's the consequence of planning ahead? All right. Well, Hopefully good, awesomeness. good luck with your next 30 hours. And, uh, we will be back next week and, and recap this for everybody. Um, and excited to, to hear how, how your week goes, Sarah. Uh, thank you. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it all being done. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.